You can be seated. I want to talk to you today about preparing to walk. Preparing to walk. I, I had several titles. Another one was How to Stand in the Evil Day. How many know there's, there's evil all around us in the earth and in our Do you know we're not supposed to be intimidated by evil? Evil is supposed to be intimidated by us. Because darkness cowers before light. When the light is turned on, the darkness, where'd it go? It just vanishes. We don't understand the level of power that we have when we allow the Lord to light up our life. There is no darkness that can overcome light. And I, I believe the Lord is calling us with a sense of urgency because things are about to break out all over the earth and the people of God need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Do you know they always say Israel is God's prophetic timeline? If you watch what's happening in Israel, you will understand the times and the seasons that you live in. And I'm telling you, the first war in Israel, next will be a war against the people of God all over the earth. So what happens in a war, you need to know how to stand in the armor of God. And we're going to get there, but before we get to that point, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm, I'm actually going to pray these words over you, exactly what Paul the Apostle prayed. Now, where are all the kids? Can the kids give me a wave? The kids are staying in? Cool. I want you to listen because God has a special word for each of you today too. Um, so some good things in store for each and every one. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1, if you there, say, got it? Got it. Great. All right, we're going to kick off in verse 16. This is a prayer that Paul is praying for the church and the people and the saints in Ephesus. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Capital H, we're talking about Jesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. Can someone say that word? No. No. If I was to ask you, what is one plus one? What would you answer? And it's not a trick question. Two. How do you come to that conclusion? You know. Because one plus another one equals two. So you know that. Paul is praying that something would happen that we know something. Not just have an understanding, but that we would actually know. As in, you never have to think again about whether or not one plus one equals two, you know. 
That's the point God wants to bring you. You know, what does he want us to know? What is the hope of his calling? I want to tell you something. I look around and I see a generation filled with hopelessness. I see a generation of people who don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here and they don't know what purpose they have. They are like lost sheep. And God is saying, I don't want my church to be like the ones who are hopeless and don't know. I want my church to know something. I want them to know the hope, the expectation, the exceeding great joy, the wonderful, um, amazing, like, oh, I can hardly wait, that kind of expectation, the hope of your calling. His calling on your life. There is not one person in this room, there's not one person watching me online that does not have a unique call of God. Never in all the generations before us, 6,000 years of human history, never has God made one just like you. He saved you for this moment in time. And never, no matter how far into history we go, into the future we go, never will there be another one created just like you because you have a unique job to do in the kingdom of God. It's time we stop thinking they need to do it and realize I need to do what I've been put here to do. And Paul is praying over this church and I am praying today with Paul over you that you may know what is the hope of his calling? And it goes on. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You have received an inheritance. You have it now and you have one to come. And here's the thing. What is the point of having a large inheritance, a large sum of money in the bank, if you never access it? You might as well not have it. Paul said, I am praying that you would understand the riches and the glory of this inheritance. What are you a joint heir over with Christ? And what is the exceeding? Now, I, I found one thing in the Bible. For me, it often lacks enough adjectives. God creates everything and he says, it's good. I'm like, come on. I like to use a lot of words. God, I've seen the waterfalls. I've seen the mountains. I've seen the glorious splendor of your creation. And I don't go, wow, that's good. I go, that's amazing. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so scenic. It's just gorgeous. But God just said good. So when you see an adjective and two of them, one after the other in the Bible, you've got to pay attention. God is describing for us something here that you would know what is the exceeding. How can we describe this word? How would we describe the word exceeding? Hmm. Anyone ever exceeded the speed limit when they're driving? Anyone ever exceeded it a lot? Well, one time, I'm gonna confess, <laughs> I don't know, I, I was still young, so it might have been in my early 20s, so I hadn't had my license that long. And we were coming back from a mission outreach, and we were on back roads in the middle of nowhere. 
and there was no one around. And I wanted to see how exceedingly wonderful my PowerPoint could be. So I get up, 120, woo, 130, woo. I think I got to 140 and I went, oh, I don't think this road can handle me going any quicker on it, or I don't think I can handle the road. But all oh, that moment of exceeding power. Anyone ever wanted to drive a fast car, like really drive a fast car fast? Yeah? I think I kind of cured myself that day of that. But, um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever gone on speed ever again. Um, but this, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? So if we try and think of a situation that looks impossible, he's saying, I can exceed with the greatness of my power anything you can comprehend, even what you can't comprehend. He wants us to know, just like we know one plus one is two, he wants us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. I want to challenge you today to be a believer. A believer. I think we need to get our ears fine-tuned to hear the voice of heaven and not to hear all the fear and the lies of the enemy. If you feed on the fear and the lies of the enemy, you will be limited in what you can do. But if you feed on the exceeding greatness of his power and the fact that you have a unique calling, you will begin to believe. Let me, he gives an example. What is this exceeding great power he's talking about? He says it's according to the working of his mighty power. See the adjectives again. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Satan had no comprehension of the exceeding greatness of his power until he saw that stone be rolled away. And his worst nightmare is replayed for him every day, every day when he looks at you and I because he sees Jesus in us. He couldn't stop him then, he can't stop him now. The exceeding greatness of his power that rose Jesus from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the Father. And listen to these words again, the, the descriptive, descriptiveness of this. Far above. above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all that is my prayer today, that you would begin to believe and have your eyes enlightened to the exceeding greatness of his power for you. All right, I'm going to turn to Ephesians 4. You can turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to have a look at verse 1 through to 6. I would love to read greater chunks of this, but for the sake of time, I had to just pick a few passages. All right, it says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk 
worthy of the calling with which you were called. Remember, we just read about that. Paul prayed that you would know what is the hope of your calling. And so now he's saying, I'm beseeching you that you would walk worthy of this great call that you were called with. Great call, and the first word he says, how to walk worthy, is with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Your call, when you answer the call of God in your life, it should bring you to a point of great loneliness, great humility, because you cannot stand and behold him and not want to humble yourself before him. This is how the church walks. In the world, the higher you go, the more arrogant they become. In the church, the higher you go, the more humble you become. Walk worthy of this call. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as we were called in one, here it is again, hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And I'm very sorry, but all those ones don't add up to anything other than one. There's just one, and we're supposed to be in him. He is the one. This walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay, I want to go to uh, Exodus chapter 3. And um, you can keep your finger in Ephesians if you want to. But Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to have a look at Moses's encounter with God. So I'm going to kick off in verse 1, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Huron, the mountain of God. For 40 years, almost, good portion, Moses had been a shepherd in the desert. But this day, he leads his flock to the back of the desert to come to her of the mountain of God. Have you ever had days that you feel like there's just divine destiny tingling all around? Sometimes you sense, sense something's going on. This day, Moses is doing what he's done every other day, but he does one thing different. He just wants to lead his flock so he can be close to the mountain of God. I believe the Lord wants to invade our ordinary with his extraordinary. So I don't know what your weekly and daily routine is, and I don't really know how ordinary that might be. But I do know if you're willing to just make a little bit of room in your life, that God will come and encounter you in your ordinary and turn your day into something extraordinary for the rest of your life. 
I believe today, the 15th of October, that God wants to take our ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. So here, Moses is near the mountain of God. He's, he's preparing. He's seeking. He's, he's sensing something. He's wanting to make room. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. Moses deliberately turned aside. I have had so many moments, I, have, I can't even remember them all right now, in my ordinary that God has been turning into extraordinary. I was cleaning one day, I had my earbuds in, cleaning someone's home, they weren't home, and the teaching I was listening to, the woman said, I, I'm going to um, I'm going to pray right now. If you want to receive the anointing um, of encounter that I've had, she said, I hardly ever do this, but I feel to say this. If you want to receive this anointing, then kneel right now. The Lord is going to fill you. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, kneel. I said, I'm cleaning in someone's house. He's like, do you want it? Yeah. Kneel. Okay. Duster went down. <laughs> Microfiber cloth went down. And I happened to be, they had a walk-in road behind the bed. So I happened to be in the closet. How funny is that? Uh, man. Anyway, I just got that. It's slow. But um, so here I am, and I'm kneeling, and I'm listening to this prayer. And then she says, the Lord says to ask him for a nation, and he'll give it to you. And I went, that's a bit big. I'd be happy with Stanthorpe. He goes, ask me for a nation. I said, which one? He goes, which one do you want? I said, give me Australia. Yeah. And then I was pretty much overwhelmed because you see the call is always exceedingly greater than you could ever think. How could God give me Australia? I have no idea. All I know is he said to ask, so I'm going to be obedient. Because if, if we can do the call that we think we're called to do, then it's not his call. It's ours. So he's asking us today, will you turn aside and begin to behold the miraculous? Will you begin to look at the fire that I want to birth inside of you? I want to stir up a flame in you that is so unquenchable like this bush it just kept burning and i believe today the fire of the holy spirit is about to fill this room and if you are willing to be uh, encountered by god he is going to encounter you with a flame that will be unquenchable for the rest of your life moses was never the same from this day forward never ever ever the same again and he entered into a high call on his life that he could not even imagine the day before herding his flocks. He went from shepherd of flocks to shepherd of over a million people in one day. Woo! Are you ready for a burning bush experience? So when 
The Lord saw that he turned aside to look. Look at that. Firstly, Moses turns aside to see and behold. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, the Lord called to him from the midst of the bush. You see, the Lord didn't speak until Moses turned aside. I don't know what things you're facing right now, but I can tell you this. They are all distractions unless you have your eyes on him. It is merely a distraction. Is it an issue in your workplace? Is it a financial need? Is it a physical need? Every one of those things is a distraction to say, no, 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 this is more important. Don't turn aside. Don't turn aside because if you turn aside, something extraordinary is going to happen in your life. But I am calling you today in the, in the invitation of the Holy Spirit, come, turn aside and see what the Lord has for you. He has something incredible for you. For you. Come and see. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Ah, listen, I don't know how many of you in this room have ever heard God call you by name. But you'll never be the same. Because you realize something. He, the creator of everything, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty warrior, the commander of heavens, angels, armies. He knows my name. And today he's looking at you and he's calling you by name. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. I want you to do something if you're willing. I want you to do something from the smallest child who, who can understand me to the uh, oldest adult in the room. I want you to do something as a prophetic act of faith and I want you to remove your shoes today. Because I believe the Lord is here to empower us. And I do apologize for any interesting aromas that are about to fill the room. <laughs> Don't let it distract you. <laughs> we have clean socks on the front row, so it's all good. <laughs> have you ever wondered why God said, Moses, take off your sandals? I'm talking to you about preparing to walk in the high calling that's on your life. And I believe today what God is saying is we have to take off what represents our old walk and our old way of life. We have to let it go. He doesn't want you to walk like what Steve said earlier in the mistakes of yesterday. He doesn't want you to even walk in the victories of yesterday because that was yesterday. And today he has a victory for you. Today he has a new calling that he's saying, that was great, but I've got more. Do you know God never runs out? If you go to heaven and you say, can I have more? Can I more of your presence, more of your spirit in my life? He doesn't look in the bank and say, I'm sorry, we're really low on Holy Spirit today. Can you come back tomorrow? We've got to re 
charge. When you say, can I have more? He says, how much? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm full, I'm full, I'm full. Hey, I'm overflowing, I'm overflowing, I'm overflowing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what does it say in Psalm 23? My cup overflows. Moses was about to enter a moor like he'd never seen. But he had to take his shoes off because the new ground he was standing on was a sacred place. Holy means to be separated from. And so he's saying, take your shoes off, separate yourself from your past and all your strivings and abilities and efforts, everything you do, separate yourself and come and stand before me. When you have no shoes on, that is really the most unpretentious state to be in. It's a state of vulnerability. And that's what he's calling us to. If you want to enter into the high call of God, you first have to come into a place of humility and vulnerability before you can. Do you know how God is a consuming fire? And when you stand in the presence of a holy God, sometimes going to the temple, and they see the lame man there, and they, they uh, reach down, Acts 3, verse 6, I'm, I'm just going to reference just this one verse. And they see this lame man, a man with legs, but no ability to walk, and they see this man, and they say to him, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And today I say to each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Walk. Yes. Rise up and walk. Let me tell you, I'm going to go through this really quickly in Ephesians, the way we're supposed to walk. Okay, so go back to Ephesians if you did manage to keep your finger there. I didn't. Uh, okay, Ephesians. Okay, we're going to go to chapter 5, and we're going to look through different verses in chapter 5. All right. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Who's there? Say, got it if you've got it. All right. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in what? Love. So, our new shoes take us in a walk that is love. The walk of love. What is the walk of love? That's looking out for other people's interests before your own. That's thinking to pray for other people before you pray for yourself. That's looking at how can I view everybody through the loving eyes of my Heavenly Father. He doesn't see people the way we see them. If he did, not a one of us would be saved. Thank God he doesn't see us the way other people see us. He sees us and he loves us. I have loved you with an everlasting love. So that's what we're supposed to walk in. When we see brokenness, when we see evil, when we see hate, I have loved you with an everlasting love the way my Father has loved me. I love you. And I am going to pray for you and bless you and encourage you and ask God 
to give me a word for you that I can stand on and declare over your life. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. We can say amen to that now the shoes are back on. <laughs> All right. So Ephesians 5, now verse 8, jump down there. For the sake of time, I, I won't read all of it before that. Okay, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That means darkness does not have a place in our life anymore. No matter what kind of darkness that is. If it's like a mental fog or if it's a, um, an addiction or whatever, darkness doesn't have a place in our new walk because we walk as children of light. That is who we are and that is how we walk. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So he's wanting to start in our lives. Before we can expose darkness in someone else's life, we have to let him expose the darkness in our own. We have to allow the light to come into our own walk first. Uh, verse 13 says, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whoever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, verse 15, have another walk. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. He's calling us to walk in wisdom like never before. Can I encourage you to adopt something that God has encouraged me to adopt? And that is that I begin to pray before I pray. And what I mean by that is I can look at a situation, I can want to pray about it, but I don't really know what's going on. So first I need to pray, Father, would you show me the truth? Would you show me what's really happening here? Would you give me a spirit of wisdom? that I may know how to pray. And can you give me your word to pray? Because my word isn't going to be effective. But if I have his word and I partner with his word and I say his word when I pray, then the prayers of the righteous will be effective and avail much. So I pray before I pray, and I believe this is what he's saying. It's the time for the church to walk in wisdom. If there was ever a generation that has faced a spirit of deception, it's this one. There are more deceiving spirits out there than I think ever before. We need to not be deceived. We need to have discerning. And we can have that when we have the wisdom of God. So in our new walk, in our calling, we are to walk in wisdom. Sometimes he will actually tell you not to help someone that you really want to help because your help will be the biggest hindrance to God moving in their life. You must pray before you pray. Before you just engage in what you think should happen in prayer, you ask 
what should happen. And then when you get his word, you pray it. Amen? All right. So that's another one. We're going to go down to verse um, 11. Where was I? Okay. Oh, no, I've already done that. Sorry. Past that. 17. Okay. So we have um, two scriptures left. But I have to finish these. I'm sorry. I'm just going to take a little bit more time today. Psalm 1. Quickly go there. Because talking about walking in wisdom, I really believe this is a word, a now word for us. Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That word counsel means the advice, the counsel, and like the wisdom of the knowledge of the ungodly. So he's giving us a warning here. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There's another passage, you probably all know it well. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And what? Don't lean on your own understanding. It will take you the wrong way every time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't walk, don't have your pathway in the counsel of the ungodly. Where might you get the counsel of the ungodly from? Any ideas? Let's say Facebook. How about TikTok? How about, what's some of the other ones? Twitter? How about the news? Snapchat. There's lots of places to find the counsel of the ungodly, but there's one place to find the counsel of God. We must get into his word and into his presence and allow him to direct our steps. I want you to look at the progression here, though. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. Now their walk has gone it's not taking them anywhere. Now they're standing. And now they're standing in the path of sinners. They're keeping company, not with people to reach them for Jesus, but because they can hide their own stuff amongst these people. They feel comfortable there. Don't stand in the path of sinners, nor sit. We were once walking, then they're standing, now they're sitting nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's a verse that often troubles me. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That troubles me. I think a resounding yes from me, Jesus. When you come back, I'm going to be one who has faith in you, who believes in you, who trusts in you. I am not going to sit in the seat of the scornful and say, oh, probably won't happen. Well, it's unlikely. Oh, that's impossible. I'm not going to sit there. I'll tell you where I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit in the secret place of the Most High. And I'm going to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to be seated with Christ where He is at the right hand of the Father. That's where I'm going to sit. And when I stand, go over to our last scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. When I stand, I'm going to stand in the armor of God. I'm going to stand on solid rock. 
I'm going to stand on the word of God that's unshakable. When I stand, I'm going to stand sure-footed in the calling that I've been called to. You are not called to run my race and I am not called to run your race. But you are called to run your race. And today I believe the Lord wants to equip you to run with the good news of the gospel. All right, I'm taking forever to find Ephesians. Who's there? Who's not there? Ephesians 6? Just me, not there. Okay. Cool. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, that's a good way to wrap up the message. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, which means schemings of the devil. Oh, I love the picture that presents. You ever done a staring competition? You ever had a kid ask you to do a staring competition? Did you do it? Do you do a staring competition? Like, what if Singwe Tiana is back? We couldn't really do a staring competition very well from here, could we? No. How do you do a staring competition? Oh. <laughs> is this how we do a staring competition? Because you know what? Do you know what I'm looking at? We well, haven't started yet. Do you know what I'm looking at? I'm looking not at me. I'm looking to see him fall. I'm, the moment I see him blink, he's out. This is what I imagine when it says stand against the schemes of the devil. You're not doing this. This is this is face to face. And you're looking with expectation. I'm not backing down. I'm not going to blink. You're going to blink. Did you know that? You can blink. Would you like to just turn your face down and blink right now? <laughs> Thank you. You see, we're going to stand unintimidated by the enemy. Because we know who we are. And the hope of our calling. And the one who called us. So we can stand and we can, you're going to blink. All your schemes are going to fall at your feet because where I stand, I have all the backing of heaven. So, uh, which host of angels would you like to take on today? Or maybe you'd just like the king of kings himself to just sort of cough your way and watch you just... <laughs> Some things don't have words, you've just got to... Yes. <laughs> So, stand against all the schemings of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Stop thinking those people that are bothering you are the cause of your issues. It's not the people, it's the principalities and powers behind them. They're trying to see if they can hinder your call and your walk. So you need to stand. It says, therefore, verse 13, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. 
I want to emphasize this next bit. Stand there for having girded your waist with truth. I don't have time to go through all of these individually, but I want to get to this one. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We just put our shoes back on. We are supposed to have on the shoes of preparedness. But we are prepared with the gospel of peace. That is what we're supposed to be walking in. This is our armor. Can I tell you something that God has shown me about the shoes of peace? It's not just the shoes of peace. It's the shoes of the preparedness of the gospel of peace. Here's the thing. If I have this mindset every day, who can I share the gospel with today? I'm prepared. Oh, here's an opening. Thank you, Jesus. When, when you're prepared and, and the door opens, you can step right through because you're prepared. Now, not this conference, but the last one we were at, I had my shoes off during the message because I just wanted to stretch my toes. At the end, they said, if you want revival in your church, come down the front. I'm putting my shoes on as fast as I can. Oh, we ended up way down the aisle. We couldn't even get up to the front because uh, Jeremy waited for me. He's very gracious. Like, so gracious. Come on, come on. <laughs> so, but I wasn't prepared. But when you're prepared, the moment there's an opening, you can just step right in. And he wants you to be prepared with the gospel of peace. And when that's your mindset, you're not going, oh, that person hurt me. This person upset me. This is going on in my world. That's not what you're prepared for. That doesn't matter. What you're looking for is that moment that the Holy Spirit says, hey, can you do this? Moses, here I am. That's what we're prepared for. We're prepared with the gospel of peace. You are going to go in your calling and you are going to bring the good news that you can have peace with God in the midst of a world at war. If there's ever been a time we need the shoes of the preparedness of the gospel of peace, it's now. We are about to see a season of war enter and cover the earth. Jesus said that father would be against son. Mother against daughter, children against their parents, family members against one another, neighbors against one another. The enemy is trying to bring division. And right now, God is saying, I'm looking for those who will stand with the gospel of peace and be ready. That at a moment's notice, when I say to you, go and say to that person, Jesus loves you. Then you can go and say to that person in confidence because you're prepared. Jesus loves you. And today he wants you to know him. And you're going to reap a harvest. Are you ready to be a massive harvest machine in the hands of the Lord? I don't think he wants us to just be the ones with the old-fashioned sickle. I think he wants to make us, what do you call those, those big, is it combine? Is that, is that American? What do you call the big tractors here that bring in the harvest? Can anyone help me? Harvester. Well, that makes sense. So, um, he wants us to be a big harvester. Have any of you seen that? In the fields, they're massive. Why? Because the harvest is ripe. It's ready. And he wants us to be ready too. Okay, now you can stand physically. <laughs> and we're going to pray together. And maybe, Jeremy, can I get you up on the screen? Oh, Jeremy. Yeah. Awesome.
to pray with you that today you will have your own learning wish experience. If you want the fire of God to burn unstopping in your life, raise your hands right now because you're about to receive them. He wants to come and He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Fill you with the Holy Spirit. All over this place, fill you with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would know the hope of your calling. That you would know the hope of your calling. That you would know the hope of your calling. You are called to reach the broken and the downhearted and the downtrodden and those who are despised. God is calling you to reach the despised. You're going to bring beauty out of ashes with the beautiful anointing oil of the Holy Spirit flowing out of your life. Thank you, Father God, that you would know the hope of your calling. Thank you. 
Jesus' name. 